Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I think we want, so for, worth acknowledging, uh, it's been about, just about two weeks since you and I recorded the show, which is wild. Yeah. It has felt like a lifetime. Yeah. 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 Any time over seven days feels like anywhere between <laughs> 30 and 100 days. And I feel like because of that, there's just so, so much to talk about. Um, and one of the things I definitely yes. want to talk about right at the top is uh, there are a lot of new listeners uh, of this show. There's a lot of new people who like joined the show uh, in the past month. So I just wanted to like start by acknowledging that saying hello. Thank you so much Hi. for listening to the show. Really means a lot. Thank you for real. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely wild. The outpouring of like support and uh, just, I don't know, kind words that people have sent over the past month ish. So just wanted to say like a huge thank you. Also, hey, my name is Brendan. This is Steven. We make this show. We love making this show. We're new in class. We're new uh, in class. You know, we're pretty chill. <laughs> I uh, I know everything about claymation, uh, you know, whatever you like, specifically like 60s Christmas claymation. If you have any questions at all, you can ask me and uh, I may or may not answer in riddles. So yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, like now that we lost all our new listeners. <laughs> tr- like truly, though, I just I just wanted to say right at the beginning, if you're new to the show, this is into the Aether. It's a low key video game podcast. Every week, Stephen and I talk about just the things that we're playing. Uh, you know, we have some like themes coming in and out. I, I would say uh, as of yeah. this, this is our first episode of Spooky Season 2021, which is very exciting. We're going to talk about some yeah. scary games all month, uh, which is fun. At least one per episode, maybe more. And uh, it's just cool to have you all here. So thank you so much. Uh, if you want all our links to everything that's like Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, all of those things into the cast online is the place for that so go hang out and thank you again yeah thank you so much hey, you know it's interesting because i feel like we always appreciate like any positive feedback we get and that anyone's listening at all and like you know <laughs> we've been doing this now that we've like seen the steady growth but like you said last month was like by far the biggest jump so i, I think uh, yeah it was like a holy shit moment yeah for real so thank you all for your interest in the show and yeah i think on top of the normal weekly routine every month we do a bonus episode that's available to everyone uh, that is made possible by our patrons thank you you know who you are and that bonus episode will usually cover one game or idea so last month we did the forgotten city usually there's a game that like we're either really excited about that we're playing at the time or maybe it's like an older game that we're revisiting or just you know any any game that we want to devote more time to we'll give a bonus so that's usually like a very fun ceremony to kind of ground the month do you want to announce what this month's is now that we've decided on it for spooky season i think that would be a great time yeah i'm so excited i'm so so we were we were uncertain of what to do because there were a lot of games we had planned for spooky season in general and a lot of games that were like potentially candidates for the halloween bonus so our first halloween we did uh bloodborne uh which is you know probably the most halloween game ever so yeah. it's kind of hard to <laughs> replicate that uh last year we did the arkham trilogy uh with our friend tamar hussein from GameSpot. really fun uh he also recently joined us for the mass effect bonus so if you want more tam there's plenty more tam and more trilogies yeah yeah <laughs> We need to do it a third time. We have to find it. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of trilogies, we are doing a trilogy this month. You guessed it. We are covering all three Luigi's Mansion games. Uh, I'm so excited. So we're going to play all three and we're going to talk about them. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Uh, also perfectly Halloween, but in like a very innocent way. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a great, uh, great recording. I'm already excited, which is a good sign. Yeah, I me too. Even, 
played yeah. any of them yet. I played the first one when it came out back on GameCube. So it'll be very nostalgic for me. Because I think it's kind of like, as we just discussed, like it's a really known game. You know, it's Mario IP. It's a very, uh, it has sold very well. But it doesn't really get talked about the same way as like any other Nintendo first party stuff. Yeah. So that's like catnip for us like you know <laughs> very well known nintendo ip that no one's really talking about or cares to talk about oh my god that's us that's yeah. us in a nutshell very much so very excited for that uh we'll, we'll keep you posted but yeah and and we have some games already uh lined up for this season but you know you'll find that out as the season progresses and then of course at the end of the year we do a game of the year episode where we will make a list of our 10 favorite games and then a list of five games for the show which is always fun the game boy advance bonus which is uh, statistically probably why you're here uh that was the season intro so we haven't really established like we used to do e3 to mark our seasons but after doing that episode we've been playing around with the idea of maybe doing like a system episode at the start of every season yeah um it's still kind of up in the air and it it isn't really decided upon yet yeah, but I, w- I would love to do another like just a uh, console deep dive at some point i think that'd be really fun yeah. that was a that was a very rewarding totally. experience uh doing that episode. absolutely anyway i i'm very excited about the luigi's mansion stuff so i i have a copy of the second one on 3ds that i've never played i got it used at a game stop at some point and <laughs> i have not really played the first one at all like i've like watched a friend play it at their house in like 2003 when it came out or 2001 or 2000 i don't even know when that was and really early, i have not yeah. played the third one you you brought the third one to the show when it came out i didn't play it so i'm very excited about it i booted up the first one i actually don't think i did but I mean, I've played a little bit of it, but either way, I'm excited to like really give some time to it. I think you brought it. I think you played a little bit of the multiplayer at one point, And I think I think we oh, might have talked Gooigi. about that. Aspect yeah, Gooigi came up for sure. Yeah, Gooigi, I remember yeah. Now. It's all coming back to me. Anyway, more Gooigi at some <laughs> point in October. For How the fuck did I forget about Gooigi? Is he going to be the last Smash character? Fucking sign me up. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, yeah. yeah. On the on the note of Nintendo, look, so we recorded the last episode a while ago, so long ago that it was before the most recent Nintendo Direct. And I, we're not going to like go through the whole thing, but there definitely are a couple things here and there that we wanted to shout out. Number yeah. one, by the time this episode comes out, you, dear listener, will know who the last Super Smash Brothers Ultimate character is. We do not know. Steven. You want to guess? Yeah, final <laughs> you guess. guess who's in Smash. Final guess. I get one shot. You get one. Oh, man. You get one shot. I get one shot. I okay. do think. I do think it's going to be one of the like long rumored characters. I think it's going to be one of the ones that we've like seen floating around the zeitgeist over and over again. I want it to be Waluigi. I don't think it will be. But do you do you have a final guess? <sighs> well, I really want my final guess to be Guigi, just for this. <laughs> but I also trying to. I'm trying to find the perfect balance, the perfect blend of likely to happen but still surprising enough to be a cool guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. So this isn't really what I want. I don't want this. In fact, I don't want this at all, but I'm going to guess it's Master Chief. Uh, I mm. think it's coinciding with the release of Halo Infinite. I think they've already had a lot of the like iconic gaming mascots. Like they have Sonic, Pac-Man, Mario. Like yeah. I feel like, and they have enough, so, like they have Cloud, which I would, you know, 
Sony doesn't have like a character like to represent them, but like there's plenty of Sony IP in there between like Snake and Cloud and Sephiroth. <laughs> what a timeline we're in. Uh, so I think to include Microsoft, I mean, I guess they have Minecraft Steve, but like, ugh. so I think and Banjo and Kazooie, I guess, are technically Microsoft at this point. That's true. So but I just think Master Chief would be uh, I, I think they want to wow the crowd. I think, you know, it's been a while since there was like a really since Sephiroth, there hasn't been like a really wild pick. Yeah, I think it's going to end with the wild pick. And I think it's just weird enough, but makes sense enough that Master Chief, I think, could be yeah. it. So that's my guess, Master Chief. Yeah, I, I could I could definitely see that. I do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the last couple of characters have literally been Sakurai fan service, like literally just yeah. him being like, well, if you're going to make me sit at this fucking desk and keep making this fucking game, I'm going to put <laughs> my own favorite characters in here, assholes. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. you know, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, Good for him. I do. I do think you're right, though. I think the last one is going to be like a big kind of bombastic crowd pleaser. I think of all the like constant rumors I've heard, the two, the two, and and I'm glad that you picked Master Chief because the two that I've always heard are Master Chief outside of Minecraft Steve, who is now in the game. There were three, and now there's two. Master Chief and Sora from Kingdom Hearts is the other one. Yeah. I, so I'm just going to say Sora from Kingdom Hearts is my pick because like like Ridley. Like Sora and Master Chief have just been like ever present in the discourse. I wanted to be yes. Waluigi like so badly, but I can't discount yeah, the too. fact that Waluigi is uh, one of the assist trophies and is like technically in the yeah. game as a non-playable character. I don't think they'll like reverse on that. Yeah. So my, my pick is Sora, uh, especially considering this. This doesn't mean shit. Like truly doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Nintendo Nintendo can do whatever the fuck they want and, and, and like yeah. very generally does like they don't abide by any laws at all but there's that um like music rhythm game kingdom hearts game that's like a switch exclusive that came out recently and that makes me think like okay here's your here's your kingdom hearts on the switch there's also plenty of kingdom hearts stuff on nintendo consoles like they're you know chain of memories going back to chain of memories yeah exactly yeah dream drop distance i think was 3ds so you know there's plenty of stuff that number over two days that one that that one's (laughs) on on ds or 3ds or whatever yeah yeah there's a bunch aqua's day off was on the virtual boy yeah (laughs) yeah I would love I would love like a Sora with like a Roxas uh, palette swap kind of thing. I, I, I think there's it's so obvious how both of those characters would fit in. And I think one of the things that's been interesting sure. to see over the course of the development of Ultimate is people can kind of tell what kind of character is going to show up next based on some bugs that pop up. So like recently, I, I think it was the Xenoblade 2 characters that popped up had some moves that weirdly kind of mapped to uh, some of Dark Pit's moveset and Dark Pit was a little bit oh. bugged in the lead up to those Xenoblade characters coming out where it was something about the way his bow fired. Everybody thought it was Master Chief and everybody thought that it was the Needler, which is very funny, but it ended up being uh, the Xenoblade 2 characters. But what we know about the development of those characters is that like a lot of the moves that some of the characters who are currently in the game have are kind of like being repurposed and like used as bedrock for what those next characters are going to be, which makes sense from a development standpoint. You don't want to like continue to build new assets from scratch every fucking time. And like, it's so obvious where you would build upon the current characters to make Sora or Master Chief, right? Like Snake is like almost Master Chief in a way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And our 58 sword people could be Sora, you know? (laughs) The thing, if they do Sora, and this is this is definitely not going to happen for IP reasons, but <laughs> my ideal version of Sora would be like Ice Climbers with Donald and Goofy behind him. I was going to say Pokemon Trainer, where Sora stands in the background oh. and Donald and Goofy, you can swap between. <laughs> 
Give me the level. My favorite scene in Kingdom Hearts is in the second one where Goofy gets hit in the head with a rock. And, and so it's like, yeah. Goofy! Yeah. <laughs> and then fights a thousand heartless with the cast of Final Fantasy VII. And then Goofy's like, oh, I'm fine, actually. Yeah. Bizarre. Bizarre scene. <laughs> but that's what I want in Smash. Just yeah. that moment. That said, uh, I mean, you'll know this by the time it happens, but I'll probably stream that uh, that announcement on our Twitch. Uh, oh, so. fun. If you want to see that, that'll probably be on YouTube uh, as long as I'm free that night, which I think I am. So that'll be exciting. Uh, also, Jet the Far Shore comes out that day, so I might completely ignore the Smash thing and play <laughs> that game instead. Uh, it's like my most anticipated game for the rest of the year, so uh, fingers crossed. Anyway. Also, you streamed your you live watching the last Direct, the one that we're going to talk about, because I was on vacation. Yeah. But you streamed uh, watching that, and that's also on our YouTube if you want to see like live Brendan yeah. watching that series of events it is i've always been hesitant to re-upload that stuff to youtube um out of fear of like getting absolutely destroyed by nintendo copyright claims and uh then i realized like oh every gaming website on the face of the earth already does that and they're fine so i did it and guess what we're fine uh so i'll continue doing that (laughs) is my plan hell yeah anyway just like high level what like stuff what what stuff did you want to shout out from the from the nintendo direct because there are a couple things that i i would like to bring up but not not a whole i just want to really make it clear i could not have gone on vacation at a worse time because i feel (laughs) like this you know like being at a dinner with my family and then opening my phone just exploding with like steven are you okay like did you watch it (laughs) really cool event like obviously there's some bizarre news that i don't think we'll get to into which is whatever but like outside of that like a lot of really great announcements that like either I was very excited for or I was excited for people who were waiting for that to happen. Yeah. So like, you know, Bayonetta 3, I've never been a huge fan of the series, but I like really respect it. And I and I know that's been like the meme, like any event or like, what about Bayonetta 3? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that it exists for fans of the series. It looks really cool. Looks fun. That was like the only thing that I called early was was Bayonetta 3. When I was sitting down to stream that, I was just like I was thinking about the history of the past couple of weeks and platinum employees were constantly giving interviews with like no mm. purpose or reason. They weren't even pushing anything. It was like, why are they suddenly so public? Uh, and then. Of course, Bayonetta 3. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. No, no worries. Um, The one thing that I called was, and it, I even said it flippantly where I was like, uh, this probably won't happen, was the uh, Animal Crossing update. Yeah. They're adding the cafe and there's going to be a whole Animal Crossing direct in, I think, November or this late month. October. Yeah, it's, it's coming this, this it's coming this month and then the update comes in November. So the direct is October update November. i'm really excited for that because i think too. that like I you and i we're on the same page with that game where like there is definitely a part of the animal crossing fandom that has this like repeated choir saying that the game was unfinished and blah 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 and it's like it's not you just played it for 400 hours and there's nothing left to do you know yeah, that's right <laughs> you know like at the same time though like so you know you and i are huge fans of the game but there is plenty to criticize in that like nintendo has this incredibly well-selling game beloved has a community pushed consoles got people like through the pandemic like it it's it became like a cultural force beyond just being a video game release in the way that like most companies could only dream of yeah for me once the because every month there was like an event for that month and like once i saw all of those i was surprised there wasn't anything new and that's when i kind of stopped playing yeah me too so i'm excited just for a reason to go back because i i have been wanting to but whenever i go back my house is full of cockroaches and everyone's like my life has no meaning without you like literally yeah like pecan was like really like upset 
that I that I was gone for so long. So yeah, uh, if I'm gonna take on that guilt, it might as well be for a cafe for a reason. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I just love my the idea of my villager opening the door, cockroaches scurrying out, and him going like, "Did somebody say coffee?" (laughs) Like finally walking around, (laughs) weeds everywhere. I could use a cup of Joe about now. I will say. So New Leaf, the, the 3DS game before this one, like was easily my favorite Animal Crossing, I think but for most people, like was the best one leading up to this. And the big thing about New Leaf was that I think two years later, they rolled out a huge, huge, huge update for that game that essentially made it endless. Like it, it made it into yeah. the game that you could just play forever. And I've st- I've been waiting for something akin to that. Like I'm, I'm not going to get my expectations that high, I think, but I've been waiting sure. for like some kind of big update because it's so clear that if you were a company with this kind of IP, with this kind of success in this one title, you wouldn't just like drop it after a year of updates. Like you would add some more stuff to it. The cafe is a big thing for me. I love the cafe. It's like my favorite part of Animal Crossing. So very excited about that. Uh, yeah, I, we'll talk more about it when it happens. I'm, I'm excited to, yeah. to see what that is. I miss Bardo. I miss Bardo too. I would say the big thing that I would want to shout out from this direct is the uh, updates to Switch Online, adding N64 and Sega Genesis stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 That was a huge one. Yeah. I mean, that that is just like shocking. That's been rumored for a while, the N64 side of things. And I truly did not believe those rumors. Like, I just didn't think that was going to (laughs) happen. Because there have been rumors yeah. of also Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, or I guess Game Boy Color also uh, wrapped up in there, um, coming to Switch Online and didn't really believe that stuff either. Outside of like, it would make sense if they added Metroid Zero Mission Infusion to the Switch in some way so people could like get ready before Metroid Dread came out. Yeah. But instead we're getting N64 stuff, which like I'm stoked about. I mean, the launch lineup is Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Mario Kart, Star Fox, Sin and Punishment, which has never been released in the West, I believe. Doctor Mario, weird pick. Mario Tennis, Winback, never heard of it, and Yoshi Story, which like most of those games are great. And the fact that they are also uh, going to include all the same stuff that all the other like the NES and SNES stuff has in terms of like you can pause the game, you have save states, load states, things like that. But also you can play online multiplayer with your friends. Yes, that's the big one. Yeah. Why? Like you and I are going to play Mario Kart. 64 yeah together online and that's going to be great and then they were like oh yeah we have a bunch of other stuff coming banjo kazooie for example pokemon snap the original uh majora's mask kirby 64 a game that i just shouted out in a very big way recently uh on our game boy advance episode is like probably my favorite kirby game mario golf again you and i will probably play that online if i were to guess paper mario i think the original paper mario and f-zero x which is like i feel like the most like long lost nintendo first party ip i fucking love f-zero x that game yeah. is great yeah. and also notoriously hard to emulate, which I find impressive that that's going to be part of this list. So that I find very exciting. And then there's a bunch of Sega games. They're honestly like not the Sega games I would have picked. I was very surprised by it as a person who grew up with the Genesis and like has a lot of affinity for that era. I was kind of surprised. The one that I will shout out, though, uh, is is um, Gunstar Heroes, which I'm very excited mm. to play the original of having played and love Gunstar Superheroes for the Game Boy Advance episode. Honestly, though, Golden Axe online multiplayer, that'll be fun. I will definitely play some Golden Axe with some friends. Oh, yeah. if Yeah, if that... Yeah, I guess it does. It probably does have online multiplayer, right? I imagine all this stuff does. Probably, yeah. That's very exciting. But I agree. The 64 library is the one. Oh, that's probably why it's Sonic 2 and not the first one. Mm, you can play Tales Online. Yeah. Perfect. That's very fun. Okay. This is so exciting to me for a yeah. number of reasons because I think that we've often criticized Nintendo's lack of game preservation. And 
honestly, I had mixed feelings. So they re- they revealed the okay, if you have Nintendo Online, you get these N64 games yeah. and these Genesis games. But then if you buy like the expansion pack, you get more games and, and whatever. And at first I was like, oh, that's shitty to pay more. But then it kind of dawned on me that like what I hope this means is that you know, you get whatever for free if you have Nintendo Online, which honestly is really cheap. So like pretty good. I think, yeah, I think it's like 12 bucks a year currently. Yeah. It's only shitty that you're not really like paying for anything other than those games. <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah. whatever. Nickel and dime me, Nintendo. Uh, and then uh, the expansion pack, to me, that reads as like ideally something they will invest in akin to Game Pass where like you get this, you know, virtual backlog mm-hmm. if you pay a little bit more. And if there's any way I can financially influence Nintendo to like preserve this stuff, I will do it. So like, mm. I, I think that, you know, while not ideal, I would still prefer just to like buy it in the marketplace. Like I could on other systems, like the hits are here for the most part. And yeah. I, I'm excited to see the, the determining factor will be how they update this. You know, it's like, is this going to be something you actually preserve? Are you going to wipe the slate clean when the switch two comes out? you like, you know, how right. permanent is this? Or like I'm yeah, I'm hoping this is a foundation upon which they will continue yes, to me build. Too. The the irony, of course, being like Nintendo Switch Online was already the foundation, and now they've just decided like plus expansion pack. But I agree with you that like whatever Nintendo needs to do to preserve this shit in a way that makes it accessible to people, I'm in favor of. That said, I am wondering because they did not announce the pricing, they didn't announce anything about how it works. I'm wondering A, how expensive is it gonna be? And B When they say Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack, is that in addition to your monthly charge or is that going to for some reason because Nintendo is going to Nintendo be like a one time fee where it's like pay $50 and you have access to the expansion pack? like one time for some reason. I imagine it'll be the former. I imagine it'll be an addition because they're going to want to charge you every month for the rest of your life. But who knows? Who knows what's going on? That said, I am excited about this stuff. They also announced that they're making a new N64 and Sega Genesis controller that you can buy and so uh, connect via Bluetooth to your Switch. Also, hypothetically, you'll be able to like Bluetooth those to your computer and use them for emulators, which uh, I'm interested in. But that said, I don't know. I will not. I will not be purchasing these. To be totally I mean, honest. What's funny about this is like the N64 great system, but the controller was like objectively terrible. It yeah. looks like a clown's face and it doesn't make sense because <laughs> we don't have three hands. So like <laughs> it looks like a clown with a kazoo in his mouth. I have always felt that and I'm always a little scared of it. Also, my dog growing up chewed the joystick pad off of it oh yeah she was a puppy and she let you and stuff so i had like a stigmata thorn oh my god yeah controller. i feel like everyone had that 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 stick was notorious for just snapping the fuck off and turning into a thing that you would dig into your thumb i still have my n64 like i have i have it in a drawer i can literally see it and i have a bunch of controllers still mm. but you know that system is like not like it's not in great shape and the controllers like, you know, stop working eventually. So yeah, I'm just happy I can play all this stuff. Cause like, you know, the, the Mario all-star collection was cool, but like, I'm glad there's actually another way to get Mario 64 if you want to play it. Yeah. Yoshi's story, very underrated. I think that game is great. It really is beautiful. Yeah. And like just a really fun time. Star Fox 64 is the definitive Star Fox game. Like truly. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of, and Mario tennis, I think is uh, something I'll probably play online a lot. Weirdly enough. Yeah. So, it's exciting. All I'm good. excited to play that yeah, stuff. It's yeah. all good. I do like yeah. there there is a version of this that I understand in a way where like the fact that they're adding all of these kind of more modern features to the thing makes me kind of okay with paying for it. 
You know, I, I think like yeah. the initial backlash to needing to pay extra for it, I understand. But also considering the amount of work they're putting in to like have the online infrastructure, because people are always like, oh, I'm not even paying Nintendo for servers. But like there has to be some kind of online infrastructure in place to allow you to play these games multiplayer. So I I will gladly pay for the ability to play Mario Kart 64 with you online. That sounds fucking great. Uh, I'm very much looking yeah. forward to it. Other stuff from this direct. Is there anything else you wanted to shout out? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's the Yokotaro card game that I'm very interested in that you played the demo of. Dude, I played it. It is good. It is very good. Yeah. Voice of Cards. Is that what it's called? Voice of Cards. There's a subtitle about dragons. I don't remember what it is. Uh, <laughs> it is really good and it comes out like really soon, uh, which is I'm excited to hear that. Exciting. I, th- I think you should play the demo. I think you'll be very surprised when yeah. you play the demo how quickly you're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly the kind of shit that I am here for. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Nier Automata. Um, I haven't really clicked as much with like anything else he's done, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense given like the critical acclaim Automata got and nothing else has gotten. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've tried, like, I tried the mobile game. I tried, uh, I did like Near Replicant, but like there's so many games out this year. I haven't like had a chance to go back. I'm sure I'll like that a lot once I like push through. Yeah. I think there's something to be said still, for the fact like, that you and I have not gone back and continued playing it though. That's the thing. Yeah. And I think like from what I've heard from a lot of people that I, you know, trust, it's like Automata is like the second draft of that game, you know, where it's yeah. like they're touching on a lot of similar themes. Um, but Automata is the one that kind of got it right larger thanks to platinum helping make the game like a little bit more accessible anyway excited for voice of cards excited for uh speaking of near automata kirby uh in the in the uh, aftermath of whatever calamity has happened yeah um i imagine kirby caused it (laughs) i think kirby is the villain of kirby and the forgotten land i'll just i'll say that what i realize is like this is the first Kirby game that's not a side scroller. Yes. It's kind of interesting. Um, and then I realized once you once you have Kirby in an open environment, it's just Mario Odyssey. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see yeah. like the utilization of the various like it seems like there are some iconic powers there. Like he gets the sword with the link cap. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how they utilize the powers like in a more open environment. Yeah. So th- I feel like it could go either way. Like I'm not like completely sold yet, but I'm very excited that they're giving Kirby like a fresh shot. You know, yeah. it isn't just like another Kirby game. I said this during the stream and I'll say it again. I think this is a very big deal for this IP specifically. Like I think it's, I think it's exciting yeah. to finally like take a big chance on this in the way that you and I often hope whenever we see one of these uh, first party Nintendo characters like show up in a new game on switch it's like this is the hope the hope is the big swing i think the footage is very pretty but i also am very much like you not sold on it yet i think the history of kirby games has been so rocky um that it's it's a very big question mark for me in terms of the quality of the thing when it drops i don't want to like dunk on it having not played it or seen anything beyond a two-minute trailer but i i'm definitely like a little bit more trepidatious than i would like to be that said planet robobot on the 3ds it's always going to exist. It's always going to be great. So if you're a person who's <laughs> looking for a good Kirby game that you haven't played, that's probably one. Also, I even though I share that trepidation, I'm into the idea. Like I'm into the yeah. concept of the game. I love you it. Know? So yeah. like I would be more trepidatious if it was just another left to right Kirby game. Cause like they've done that well already. Yeah. It's time to change it up like they've done with every other series. Yeah. Um, so 
other games, I, I'm really excited for Metroid Dread, obviously, that comes out next week. Whoops. Yeah. So I, I weirdly have that sort of like last minute backstage trepidation for that game as well. Yeah. But I'm pretty sold on it. I think it's yeah. going to be great. Even more sold on Splatoon 3. That looks fucking awesome. Like such a good trailer. Yeah. Really uh, good. You know. I think that like Splatoon has the benefit of like we already kind of know what we're getting into. It's a very multiplayer focused game in that way. But it does look like they very much like it's going to have a single player akin to the DLC for two that I really liked. The yeah. um, I forgot what it was called. Octo expansion. Octo expansion. Really, really interesting, really difficult and really well done. And it just kind of showcased like how much you can push the central mechanic of Splatoon. Like you can have the fun frantic multiplayer, but you can also have like a very solid action platformer mm-hmm. with like just incredible music and art i i i think splatoon is one of nintendo's best ips i'm excited to see more of it and yeah. have them like push it a little farther than the other two have gone yeah i'm, I'm sure they're like thank god something from the wii u made it out of there i'm sure they're like <laughs> so stoked that any one of, of these ideas games, worked yeah. 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 I mean, that was that was the first new IP in a long time that like really took off because like GameCube to the Wii U. What were the new IPs? There was the Miis, which which worked, but, you know, varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. You know, Wii Sports is really the one. Uh, there was Pikmin, which was good. I haven't I still haven't played any Pikmin game, but I've heard they're good. Yeah. And then Splatoon, right? Like what else was there? What was the other new? There was codename Steam. Oh, right. Yeah. For the, for the Nintendo 3DS, uh, you know, a huge hit. <laughs> anyway, Splatoon 3 does anyway great Uh, there are two more things i want to shout out real quick from this direct if that's cool before we move on number one not a lot of information like really at all but there's going to be big dlc for monster hunter rise which i think is very exciting Mm. i'm stoked about that and uh also it's silly so the company aspire who has been doing all these ports of uh star wars games to the nintendo switch is working on a remaster of knights of the old republic for modern consoles which is very exciting um that got announced recently they also announced during the direct that aspire is also making just a straight up port of the original knights of the old republic for the switch so it's not getting the remaster but it is getting the original and truth be told i think i'm more excited for that than the remaster in a weird way (laughs) i share that a little bit like i'm very curious to see where the remaster goes but like i have always i liked the first one a lot i played it post mass effect so it's kind of hard to like be as blown away by it yeah but um i think switch is weirdly the best i can already envision enjoying the game more on that console than at like a computer me too you know like yeah. i just think having it handheld and having the ability to like you know play it whenever i think having buttons because i've tried playing it on yeah. mobile yes and like did not really enjoy that experience yeah. uh yeah. So I, th- I think, I don't know, I think Switch is like perfect for that game in a weird way. I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Not that I'm not looking forward to the remaster. I, you know, I, I'm I'm optimistic about it, but uh, totally. I don't know. I mean, the original is a known quantity, you know, it's like a good thing and uh, it's going to be playable on another known quantity good thing. So like that just seems kind of like a no brainer to me. Yeah. And now that you have the Bioware fan DNA in you, I'm sure you'll. <laughs> yeah, now that has been injected into me like the vaccine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm vaxxed and ready for Kotor yeah. on the Switch. Yeah. Now you can join the club of people like patiently and nervously waiting a new Dragon Age and share that <laughs> share whatever that heartbreak is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm always cautiously optimistic. Anyway, so but I agree that's another that was another big announcement for me. Yeah. Yeah, that that was one that I think like kind of flew under the radar cuz people just were like, "Well, there's a remaster. Why would I care about this?" But uh hey, I care about this. I care. Me. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, is there anything else from the direct you want to talk about? I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. I'm sure I might be missing something, but that's all. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about me for once. Uh, (laughs) Bayonetta 3 was the last announcement. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's also the new Mario Party, but I am so burned. I don't know if I'm going to get it. looks great. The new Mario Party. It looks very fun. I'm the asshole that bought the $60 one years after it came out, thinking that that was going to be like added online content because they're like, you can play Mario Party online now. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's all adding up. No, it's a new game. I paid $60 for yeah. truly the mini game where you cook a cube of steak. That's a good one. That's $60 down the drain. Thanks a lot, Nintendo. Yeah. Anyway. I'm very, I'm sorry to you. <laughs> As, that sounds very shitty. I did not buy that game, and I am very excited to get the new one, yeah. which essentially is Mario Party Ultimate. Honestly, the old one wasn't, like, Super Mario Party was a definitely a, a like a good step for the series because like, the like the last eight have just been awful. Like I love Mario Party. Like I I feel yeah. like they've always kind of been unfairly criticized. Like they are what they are. They serve a purpose. I think the first four are all great, but like five yeah, but like, once you got on the works. train, it's like oh boy. Like once you don't even have turns anymore, like, this isn't even a game. Yeah, there was a good one on the GameCube. I remember. Yeah, I remember like four. specifically yeah. one on the game. Was it four? Well, yeah. I think four. Four, five and six were on the GameCube and like they're all they're all fine before I thought it was like a really solid one. Yeah, I remember getting the one for the Wii and being like mega disappointed by that. And then was like, <laughs> I'm going to bail from this franchise for a while. But this one seems like, again, kind of a no brainer. Like, yeah. OK, we're just doing a best of is like, OK, sure. Yeah. yeah. And Super Mario Party, I think, was a, like the mini games were good and they had like cool concepts, but there were only four stages which like yeah. for a game like that that you're going to play a lot with friends like the lack of variety is really noticeable. So, I will yeah, say if you yeah. if you were suckered into spending $60 on that game like I was, play the raft mini game. That is the way to play Super Mario Party. You all mm, control yeah, a raft together and then it's just a series of mini games. So you're getting like the best of that game. But the fact that it's still for full price, I am not someone who like tries to critique price and what that means, but boy, does that game not warrant $60. So, Oof, all that yeah. to say but the new one looks fun yeah uh well on that note should we take a break and then talk about new video games i want to talk about new games enough of the past it's all about me uh, this is what is this bit <laughs> i have no idea yeah. i will i will say before we move on quick quick uh thing kind of related to your master chief shout out oh shit uh i i have been playing the halo infinite beta oh wow it's good i'll just say that much uh because I, I don't I don't even know when that game comes out outside like it's going to be this year this or some year, point. Yeah, the holiday um, season. I keep forgetting it's even happening. Yeah, <laughs> me too, honestly. Uh, and then I, I got an email that was like, you're in. I was like, oh, OK, sure. Oh, cool. Shit. I'll yeah. download it and check it out. The thing the thing about Halo that I'll say, because I I'm not a huge fan of the campaigns uh, the way I think a lot of people are. I really just kind of like the multiplayer. Sure. Um, I find it's like a very good like brain off just play shoot game yeah. kind of video game experience. I liked five way more than most people liked five. And this game feels like they're just taking five in a more logical direction to bring it more in line with like what the Master Chief collection and like two and three were trying to do from multiplayer perspective, which is kind of like a crowd pleasing experience. And I the reception I've seen online is mostly positive. And I'm sitting here playing it like this just feels like five again. But cool that you like it this time, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's really good. Specifically, the the beta test this weekend was um 
big team battle, which is, you know, like huge team on huge team vehicles, nonsense, capture points. It is a fucking joy. It is so fun. And the reason I want to shout this out is like this game is going to be immediately on Game Pass, but also the multiplayer is going to be free to play. So like you won't even need Game Pass to play it. So like everyone should just play this game. Uh, It's good. It's if you're looking for like a good first person shooter to like completely switch your brain off and just like have a nonsense night with your friends. This is shaping up to be exactly what people have wanted from Halo for a long time. It feels like Microsoft is probably pretty aware that the enthusiasm for Halo is like kind of lukewarm at this point. Like, you know, I I think so too. Yeah. I mean, maybe that is just you and I in a bubble, Sure, but like I, I do feel like that is kind of the the reaction especially after the past few i don't know i just i i can't help but feel like it's probably like more popular with like our age group than maybe i'm wrong but i just feel like it was so like we yeah. were so in the thick of it like we were like what, right. 11 when the first one came out so it was just yeah. like something a lot of people grew up with but uh yeah i'm excited to see what it is i'm more excited for za for you know microsoft big releases yeah. there's still like the rest of this month i mean we've got I, i'm thinking like the big releases ahead of us and like metroid's coming out soon forza in november like there's oh the Pokemon remix a lot of stuff still coming out so I keep trying to yeah. like shape what my goatee list is gonna be and I'm always like I need to wait until at least like I mean I always <laughs> wait until you know last minute to really finalize it but uh there's still a lot of cool stuff on the horizon so yeah I, I have so many games on my list for just <laughs> October that I want to check out yeah which is wild two of them come out this week actually three if you're counting alan wake remastered which i may or may not check out just for spooky season but oh, i fun. just replayed alan wake recently for the show so yeah i don't know if i i don't know if i really want to do that but jet the far shore and metroid dread both come out this week which is like wild metroid jet metroid jet you like that hell yeah i would love that i want that <laughs> game anyway let's take a break and come back and talk about new games new games uh two games we've been anticipating for a long time so i'm very excited to talk about both of them yeah me too okay all right goodbye bye Welcome back. Oh, that was cool. Thanks. That was really good. You could do that for a living. Just like, <laughs> like the Cartoon Network, like, you know, Samurai Jack up next. Oh, like that, like uh, Toonami Tom. That, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you Tom by any chance? <laughs> uh, uh, MySpace or Toonami? Sorry. Because <laughs> yes to both. <laughs> Can you imagine that was MySpace Tom's voice? Like, hello, I'm Tom, your first friend. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, tsunami tom maybe was my first friend to be clear yeah. and then tom was your first virtual friend yeah you know? wow your first meta friend <laughs> a big a big period of time for toms yeah tom anyway, shoes um <laughs> also a big deal around then i didn't mean to like just brick wall your bit there but like my face like glazed over i had nothing i had nothing to say to tom's shoes yeah. I, I saw you reboot yeah that was, that was fun <laughs> someone put a pin in my neck and i forgot my name (laughs) so sable is out sable's out oh my god i'm so excited so sable is a game developed by shedworks published by raw fury uh it's a game that i first discovered i think at the pc game show at e3 in 2018 and uh they showed similar to cuphead where like there was that like yeah they showed a bunch of uh games like all at once sable got like more time than that but was just so immediately eye-catching for the for the style that i immediately like wrote it down and was like anticipating it coming out 
Yeah. The art style is very reminiscent of the French illustrator Mobius, like very thin lines, vibrant colors. If you've seen any drawing where there's like a desert with crystals in it, it's probably Mobius. If that's like his vibe. <laughs> yeah. But he's done a lot of stuff. Uh, but this is in Mobius, uh, but very much drawing influence from that style. It definitely has a vibe of its own. But you can tell there's a strong influence there with like the color choice and the thin lines, especially. Um, And it's really unique because I think like this game is another game that draws heavily from Breath of the Wild. And I think a lot of other games that do so also seek to emulate the the Ghibli-esque art style. So it's cool to see a, you know, game with that influence with the slightly different or very different art style. Yeah. On top of that, I found out that the soundtrack was being made by Japanese Breakfast, one of my favorite bands. So like I've just been patiently but like completely unchill about this game for years. I've been waiting for it, uh, hyping it up in my head. And, uh, you know, I think it was supposed to come out in 2019, but the developer was like very candid that they needed more time. And like, of course, take the time you need. And then I can't imagine COVID like helps with anything. So it's been kind of delayed for a bit, but it's out now. It's on Game Pass and it's a really cool game. I really like it. I have a lot to say, but I would definitely recommend it. I think it's doing a lot. What it's doing well, it is excelling at. That's sort of my my Mm. elevator pitch for this game. So essentially you play as Sable, a young girl who... I would describe the setting as like the Optimus Mad Max, where like it's this sort of like <laughs> desert that has very sparse populations that are kind of nomadic. And, you know, like Breath of the Wild, it's sort of like, I don't know if it's if there's been like a calamity in the same way as Breath of the Wild, but there's definitely like an optimism in seeing these like pockets of society thriving despite being like in the middle of nowhere. It right. does that Post, really post well. apocalypse. Yes. Uh, and you'll find like abandoned ships that have like parts in it and kind of like Horizon Zero Dawn, there's almost been like a like religious importance given to like these parts and everything. So like I really like the setting. You play as Sable and the first like hour or so is just you and this village and, and you're being given instructions on sort of this coming of age ritual where you have to build your own bike that are like the Akira bikes that leave the trail. It's so cool. I fucking love the bikes. Um, (laughs) And you also get your first mask. Everyone in in the village and everyone in the world, the Sable, has a different mask that's linked to their identity in some way. So there's also kind of a strong cultural connection to like what mask you're using and how you present yourself. And that's further aided by the idea that a lot of what you're doing in this game is like collecting different outfits and different masks and different parts for your bike. So there's like a narrative importance for how you want to look and how you want your bike and how and sable to appear to others which i think is really cool that's something that is in a lot of games but the attention that's drawn to it i think really works because it's you know it's part of the ritual it's part of like figuring out who you are and how you want to present yourself so i would say the beginning hour is a little slow and there's a lot of like fetch quest stuff but what really carries it what carries the whole game is just how beautiful it is the soundtrack fucking rules highly recommend Like yeah. you can get it on vinyl. You can listen to it on any any place. I'm a huge fan of the band, so maybe I'm biased, but I think objectively just a great soundtrack and very different from the band's usual stuff. Like you can tell mm. when Michelle Zahner is singing that it's her, but I'm really impressed just by the creative scope. You know, she has another playlist that's, that's inspiration for the soundtrack. 
Um, there's also a great interview with Michelle Zahner about like the difference between making one of her albums with the band and the soundtrack to this game and, you know, the importance of ambience and like, you know, yeah. you have to make a hook for, you know, her band song, but here it's like, it just needs to be existing within the environment and aiding it. I remember too, yeah. I forgot who, who made the Mario 64 soundtrack, but I remember hearing that their test for whether a song would work for the game or not was by listening to it for four hours straight Yes, and, and making sure it wasn't repetitive or draining to listen to which you know that game every song has like a 10 hour version on youtube so test passed right um (laughs) but the soundtrack is great it very much reminds me of the best parts of breath of the wild and weirdly death stranding where you'll be in this open terrain and then a song will kind of slowly come on but it's also very much aided by the silent moments so they're just like really cool there's also a lot of songs that kind of remind me of zelda in the way like there's a character who's a cartographer who travels by balloon and uh uh, his song has like horns in it and it's kind of goofy. He reminds me a little bit of the Beatle, a little yeah. bit less like outright, like, thank you. Like he's more subdued than that. But yeah, he, he has that Zelda NPC energy and the song really carries that. So music is great. The presentation is great. What I was most surprised by, though, because I kind of expected both those things to be great, given who I knew was working on the game. But the writing is incredible. I really like it reminds me weirdly of Kentucky Route Zero in the sense of like the ability to capture a mood through text. Yeah. When you talk to people, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most. So I I, I played the demo of this when it came out. Yeah. I I think it was like an idea at Xbox uh, stream or something like that. And they released like 10 demos for a bunch of indie games coming out this year uh, and sable is one of them and i was also anticipating this game so i downloaded the demo and like the first thing that hit me because i already knew it was gonna be beautiful i already knew the soundtrack was gonna be good but the first thing that hit me is every time you talk to somebody the first thing that happens is not dialogue it's what sable is thinking about that person yes uh that's written in this like really really beautiful like prose adjacent text that kind of preempts the conversation that's about to happen and then it's dialogue choices and that by itself is like one of my favorite decisions in the game so far. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a constant like it seems like like Kentucky Route Zero there's this idea that you're directing the scene and that your dialogue mm-hmm. isn't like changing anything but it's just sort of evoking a different mood. It's like as Sable continues to try different masks on and build the bike in different ways and it's all about you know coming of age and deciding who you are. Your decisions in terms of the dialogue options are also impacting who Sable becomes yes. as she gets older which I again just brilliant shit. Yeah and part of her ritual you know very early games it's not really a spoiler but once you like do everything the village you're part of like leaves like they go somewhere else and they leave you uh there are mailboxes throughout the world that they like will send you messages to check in on you but like part of the coming of age ritual is like going out on your own and losing that immediate connection to home there's a Mm -hmm. great kind of title card moment where like you first leave on your bike Um, and that's one of the few songs with Michelle singing, which that that feels like a Japanese breakfast song in a good way. Uh, But, you know, it's it's a really triumphant moment. It's very it's very bittersweet because, you know, like there's a part I forgot which character says this, but they're like, you're going to love this. Even the parts that aren't easy, like even the parts that are hard and that suck, you will still love because this is (laughs) like going to be your life. And and the sort of three paths I've noticed in a lot of the dialogue choices are like when people ask you how it's going so far, you can kind of like point out 
the freedom and how exciting it is or like how lonely you are or, you know, like just different flavors of it. Um, what I love, the star of the game, and I've already seen some articles about this, so I know I'm not alone. Gliding rules. It is so yeah. fucking cool. So the way you glide <laughs> in this game is not with the hand glider that for whatever reason, every game was like, let's do that. That's what we're going to take from Breath of the Wild. You are in this sort of red sphere and there's a similar stamina meter. Like you can climb anything and, and a little uh, diamond will appear. You can run sim- very similar Breath of the Wild, but gliding doesn't use stamina. So you could theoretically glide forever until you fall down. Yeah. And there's something very interesting about how you glide. You appear in like a red sphere and it's almost like fetal. Like it feels like you're sort of like retreating into this sort of like mm. nothing can harm me, you know, position. And the way the red like bounces off like the background environments, it's beautiful. And it's really cool to like, like the decision to like have that be stamina free. So you can just gl- like, sometimes I just glide and like just look around. Photo mode exists, take screenshots. Yeah. Like this game is built for it. Yeah. There's, there's even no UI for most of the game. Yeah. Unless like stamina shows up where you're talking to somebody. There's usually no UI. Yeah. Uh, which is really wonderful. It's, it's worth mentioning that this, uh, this journey that Sable's on is called the gliding. Mm. Um, and, and, and essentially involves whoever is undertaking the gliding at that point is given like a stone that you have to activate that allows you to do this gliding. Yes. But strangely enough, the gliding wears off at a certain point, like not obviously over the course of your playing the game, as far as I know so far. But when you talk to other characters who have undergone the gliding themselves that are, you know, older and adults and stuff, they talk about how much they miss being able to glide around. Everybody just like reminisces about how wonderful it feels to glide. And it's like, oh, yeah, they really did capture that feeling in the game. I am also going to be upset when I'm done playing Sable and I can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that, you know, that that sort of um, calm detachment that the older characters have to this part of your life, it really like really points out how like fresh and scary it is to be like a younger person. And then when you're older, like, oh, yeah, that was fun. I, I just like build ships now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all that's great. A few caveats, unfortunately. Pretty much every review of this game has pointed this out. And this is not something you and I normally talk about. There are some major performance issues. Like, yeah, nothing that will ruin the game, but enough that do unfortunately hold it back. So like. Um, the way the characters are animated, they purposely are only operating on like a few frames. So it looks, you know, it has a style to it, which yeah. I don't mind at all. Yeah, it's it's similar to um, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, uh, the, yes, the way yes. they The way they made Absolutely. those characters move by kind of, uh, it's like frame skipping. I forget, there's like a term for it. Yeah, um, so that's... Animated on the twos, I believe. I like the sound of that, though. I think is actually what it is. Anyway. Sorry. No worries. It's animated on the twos. And uh, so that's cool. The problem with that, though, is that like the game does have a frame rate issue in general. So when you combine that with that style, it's never quite clear if the game is like performing well or not. Like the Mm -hmm. big the big kind of like pebble in my shoe with this game is like when you're on your bike and gliding around, that's when the game like really chugs, which like should be this triumphant freeing moment. And like it still is like you can play the game, but it is being held back by some of those things. And hopefully that could, they've already had some patches. I think that that could be sanded off a little bit. The one other big thing I have with this game is that I'm not sure what the like meat of it is. You know, we've, we've had this glowing discussion about like, the story, the writing, the presentation, the mood it evokes. And that's very much what it's going for. It's going for a minimalist, almost eco-esque journey where it's really about the quiet moments. The problem with it, though, is that like to compare it to the games that it's pulling from Breath of the Wild 
which is, you know, it's tough to compare any game to that, but it's, I think it's inviting those comparisons because of the influence. And I would also put Death Stranding here, weirdly enough. I think with Death Stranding and with Breath of the Wild, they are largely games that are driven by the ambiance of it, by the setting. And they're really brought like to the high, like the game is elevated by those quiet organic moments that kind of feel unique to your playthrough. Mm. At the same time, at the center of it, there is a core gameplay idea that is why you go back in some ways. There's like the salt of it is like, okay, Breath of the Wild, I can climb anywhere. The movement feels really good. It is a movement-driven game. It also has fun combat. But really, I think you could take the combat out of Breath of the Wild and just have the climbing and gliding, and you would enjoy it enough for that. Death Stranding, I think, is even more minimalistic in the sense that it's just carrying shit. But it weirdly works. It really pays off. It's cathartic to balance yourself in this world and to really feel the literal weight of what you're carrying and what you're delivering and the importance of that. Yeah. It really it really is like kind of sickening to see how much of your brain lights up when you get likes that mean nothing. Um yeah. but the, yes. The thing about Death Stranding is that at least in my experience throughout the course of playing that game, the moments that I remember most fondly are the moments where I forgot there was a story yes. in that game. Like when when the narrative got out of its own way and it allowed me to just like experience the the systems at play there um and just traverse that environment and like listen to the music that was playing and like interact with other people's stuff and spend time hanging out uh, in that world. Like that is the thing that I love most about Death Stranding. And similarly, Breath of the Wild, my experience with that game, I think is a little bit counter to what a lot of people tried doing uh, with that game as well, which like literally the minute they allowed me the access to the rest of the world, my first move was I ran from tower to tower and unlocked every single tower one by one so I could see the whole map. And that experience of just running all over the world and ignoring literally everything by way of like what you're supposed to do in a Zelda game was was exhilarating. It was really rewarding and gave me a kind of new or a different, I would say, appreciation for what that game is trying to accomplish in that I think they wanted it to stand on its own as just like an exploration experience, um, but probably felt obligated to include, you know, big fucking divine beasts that act as dungeons and shrines and things like that. And like, I was so uninterested in all of that stuff for probably the first like five to six hours of the game. And I, I think you brought up Eco, which you and I played for the first time this year. We did a bonus that was about Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, which I, I've said to you and I don't think I've mentioned on the show, but like easily the most rewarding I think experience I've had making this show maybe ever was playing that game um, and getting to talk about it and like really dissect it. I loved that game and I love talking about it. I think that that is like the most apt game you could bring up in in the case of Sable. It really feels to me like Breath of the Wild viewed through the lens of what Ueda was doing with Eco. Yes. And and to answer your question about like what the, what the meat of the game is, like what the game is supposed to be, like I think that that is actually it. I think it is that experience that I had with Breath of the Wild is what they're trying to elicit in Sable. Like it is about the journey. It is about those moments in between oh, yeah. more than literally anything else because I I think you're just supposed to ruminate you're just supposed to meditate while you play this game is is at least my view on it so far i also want to mention i am so early in this game i i have not built my bike i am getting the pieces i need to build the bike my group the ibex i think they're like hanging out still they haven't left like i am in i i would say uh before you jump off of the great plateau in breath of the wild is where i'm at in the game so i'm very early on but already i feel the the pull and the the vibe that ueda's games give me and that is exhilarating um i'll talk later about why i haven't played more of this game uh in the next segment but 
this immediately really stuck out to me. Um, and I think you you texted this to me and I, I so agree. Like if this isn't a huge hit this year, it will be a cult classic in two to three. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I can see the video essays about this game already. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think that this game is I, I'm glad there's no combat. I'm glad it's going for the sense of minimalism that I think a lot of games are uncomfortable with. Um, I think that it's yeah, it shows a lot of confidence that this game is like it's just traveling and exploring. The problem with that, though, is that I'm getting that more conceptually than in execution. Like, Because I, I think mm, that, I get that because the game really struggles, and I, I hate that it's for this reason, because again, all the artistry is there in terms yeah. of like the intention and everything. But when I'm gliding on my motorcycle and the game is like struggling to keep up, or when I'm like climbing and then I start climbing nothing, <laughs> like mm-hmm, that really, because mm-hmm. that's all you have, you know, in, in a minimalist game, the elements that are there are on full display, you know, and I think that like, you see uh, the design by subtraction with a game like Eco, where it's like, okay, the core of Eco is is holding Yorda's hand and guiding her through this environment so you can both get out together. You know, it's this sort of like, I know in a lot of games, sometimes like taking care of an NPC is like a burden, but that game really does it so well because you need mm-hmm. each other. It's not just a one-sided thing. Right. I feel like Sable, I don't know if you were to like really say like, what is the one element? It is that, you know, meditation. It is like that coming of age journey, be it in the quiet moments of exploring or in the moments of customization with your masks and your bike. But again, that is abstract. So there isn't really like a physical core to the game. I think that does kind of make it feel a little lopsided sometimes. We're like, Mm. I want to experience this for what I'm loving about it. But there isn't that like kind of basic core element there that's pulling me back in. That being said, I am going to keep playing it. I do think this game is incredible. Absolutely worth your time. There's so much that is here that I like yearn to see in just art in general. That's like, you know, excellent. Like there's so much about this game that is excellent. It's a shame that some of it is like pulling it back a bit. But honestly, that's just that's just the price of ambition. You know, sometimes things are going to fall a little bit shorter than maybe they should have. That doesn't totally. mean the whole thing is not worth experiencing because it's it's also it's also definitely worth saying that like the games we are comparing this to are by huge teams. And yes, this is an yeah. indie game, yes, which yes, like, yes. is miraculous yes. that it is you know, on this level in playing at this field absolutely, uh, with games like Death Stranding and Breath of the Wild, (laughs) which are like maybe like top 10 all-timer lists. Yes, right. The fact that we're like casually citing, you know, the best of the best (laughs) just gives you a testament to how great this game is. Um, So, yeah, I think... I think it's going to be, you know, a slow burn. I think people like might have, you know, again, because I think it's minimalist in a way that is maybe an acquired taste or maybe it needs to put you in a different mindset. Yeah. And there are some like physical hurdles to get over. But we you and I play so many older games that have the same thing of like, oh, like you can excuse it for this because of X or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's the same mindset I have playing this game. Um, It's just like. Again, when a game is this good, when it's not like perfect in some ways, it's, it stands out. Um, yeah. And I don't like yeah. the word perfect, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, ah, oh, I wish this was on the same level as as these parts of it. But um, yeah, I do, I do think that bit you just brought up about how you kind of need the right mindset to be playing it is one of the reasons I have not played as much as I would have liked. Because sure. I there have been over the course of I don't know, whenever this game came out, I guess like a week and a half ago at this point at the time of the recording to now there have been multiple moments where I have booted the game up and then sat there at the 
load screen and been like, mm, maybe not now, actually, and then back out and play something else. Uh, it's happened a bunch. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want that to be like a, uh, a, a detractor. I don't want that to be a negative. It really just is like the game does require like you to be in the right headspace to experience something that is that quiet and meditative. And I appreciate that for the most part. Uh, but also it is a reason that I haven't been playing it as much. Yeah, probably a good winter game. I think this would be a great game. Like once it starts snowing and like you probably. can't leave the house. Um, yeah but uh yeah I, I would highly recommend it it's on windows and game pass like i said so it's a microsoft thing though i can't imagine this won't be ported to other things eventually but we'll see um, yeah i can see it could be a one-year thing yeah i wonder because i feel like this would be cool on switch too uh so would recommend yeah. it's really really lovely and the soundtrack uh i highly recommend just on its own as well if you wanted to listen to it <laughs> yeah i would i would definitely recommend it yeah i yeah. uh i i think this is gonna be a game that we'll probably talk about again at some point yeah uh, absolutely I, I definitely am gonna put a lot more time into it and me too come back and want to be talking about it <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> also this is a great game for sharing screenshots in the discord i've already seen a couple of people do that <laughs> and like yeah if you push down on the control pad sable will like sit wherever she is and just sort of like take in the sights I think it's worth knowing that both for screenshots, but also like I sometimes just do that in the game. Yeah. Again, it's Death Stranding, right? It's, yeah. it's the best moments of Death Stranding where like you literally have Sam Porter Bridges lean up against a telephone pole and take a nap. Yeah. It's like honestly, one of my favorite experiences in gaming is watching Norman Reedus take a fucking nap. Yeah. In Death Stranding. Absolutely. Could not agree enough. Yeah. And this game doesn't have uh, the heavy handed dialogue that <laughs> that game sometimes has. We yeah. love Death Stranding. But yeah, I think um, there's definitely definitely like minimalism at its center in the design of Sable. Available now. Uh, you want to take a break and uh, come back and talk about some other stuff? I.e. get into spooky season. I'm so excited. It's here. Me too. Finally. I've been talking about it since like February. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> You've been talking about it since the last spooky season ended. You've been talking about it since November 1st, 2020. Someone's got it. So I agree. <laughs> Thank you for carrying the torch all the way here. No problem. <laughs> Goodbye. See you soon. AJ, hit us with that public domain haunted sky, please. here i'm pouring wine hell I'm yeah ready. what kind of wine uh it's a cab salve called the way back mm. great it's my it's my favorite cab salve at the moment i was gonna say blood wine to be like spooky but then i realized it's a klingon thing that's not scary that's just star trek it is apt for the game we're about to talk about though oh that's true uh yes it very much is uh also i'm drinking a a, a pumpkin ale from post road brooklyn brand 12 fluid oh. ounces <laughs> we are finally this is a game we have been saving in a cellar for the right time of year. You guessed it. It is Resident Evil Village or Resident Evil 8, if you're keeping track. It was probably like the first mainstream big hit of the year, I would say. Yeah, up there. Yeah. Lady uh, Dimitrescu was like all the rage for the first third of the year. Yeah. Well, still is. I just haven't seen her as much. But, you know, legends never die. <laughs> and uh, we've both been dying to play it. But we've both been dying. Dying <laughs> to play it. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I've been dying to meet you. <laughs> 
I just got a flashback of my mom for the longest time, like near the front door whenever it was Halloween. We had this like probably from like CVS or something. We had this plastic graveyard that had three figurines, a witch, Frankenstein and a mummy. Mm-hmm. And you pushed a button and there was like a very condensed recording of the monster mash and they all swayed like <laughs> back and forth. But eventually, like only I think the witch worked. So Frankenstein was sort of like hunched over them, like kind of drunk, like with his hands over them. <laughs> and the recording was like atonal, like the monster mash. That's perfect. <laughs> it That's was how perfect. it should be. Yeah, it was perfect. That's how they should have sold the thing. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the game we've been dying to play, Resident Evil Village. Uh, I actually streamed the opening hour or so of this a few days ago. Actually, it was like September 30th, like at midnight. So as I was playing, the the clock struck midnight and it was October 1st. thought that was fun. It was a great idea. So I'm like probably like I, I haven't really played much after that. So I'm like 90 minutes in. You're a little bit farther than me. <laughs> And, I've been uh, holding this in like literally all morning, but I have finished this game. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. like a short. It's like an eight-hour game, but that's still fucked up. Yeah, it's a it's yeah it's about nine hours. Uh, okay, at least my first my first playthrough was wow. nine hours. Your yeah, first I started the same. Yeah, I started the same day as you. I was up until two thirty in the morning last night playing it, and then woke up this morning and did the last hour. I like could not put this game down. Okay, so I, I give the floor to you. I want to hear. I want to hear what you think. Obviously, spoiler free, but let's yeah. hear it. Because I, 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 I'm also really liking it, but I haven't gotten as far. So I want to hear how you feel, and then I'll add much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. We mentioned this last week in the lead up to spooky season that we were excited to play this game. My reasoning specifically was Capcom and and the developers of Resident Evil specifically uh, called out Resident Evil 4 as kind of like the blueprint for this game. You know, it's a lot of like, okay, I think Resident Evil 7 Biohazard was very much a can we recapture the magic of like the first few Resident Evil games, like one specifically, you know, in this first person kind of like post PT world, which to a lot of people who really like this franchise, they succeeded at. I am not as big a fan of the games that inspired Resident Evil 7. And therefore, I didn't like Resident Evil 7 as much. For me, 4 was like always the one like 4 has been and forever will be like one of my favorite games. I played through that entire game, New Game Plus, over and over and over and over again. Steven, more times than I can count. Like, I actually don't know the number. I just would continue to finish the game and immediately start it over again. I did everything that you could do. Did you get the suit of armor for Ashley? Everything, Steven. (laughs) I did everything you could do. I knew that game like the back of my hand at one point. Um, Anyway... So the idea of them saying, "Okay, we accomplished that with Resident Evil 7. Now with Resident Evil 8, we want to recapture the magic of 4. I was like, that's a tall order. That's a really difficult thing to do. You've tried doing that multiple times. Five tried to do that and failed spectacularly. Six got it as wrong as you could possibly get it. Six was almost the death of the franchise. You know, that was like, and even if seven isn't your thing, it objectively rebooted the franchise from like the brink of death. Yeah. Did a great job. I mean, it was essentially Capcom looking across the floor at Konami being like, you're not going to make PT. Are you fucking dumb? (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll make PT and that'll just be our reboot. Uh, and great choice on their part. Really smart move. I will say my experience playing Resident Evil 7 uh, in VR Ugh. is like treasured gaming experience. Uh, a horrifying time. I played it in a room with a bunch of my friends where I had the VR helmet on and everybody else was watching on the TV. The best way to play that game like ever. That said, again, eight, very excited for it, but very, very cautious uh, about this entire like lead up and the game came out and essentially got great reviews for the most part you know i i saw a couple 
dissenting opinions that were like, you know, longtime Resident Evil fans who wanted it to be closer to seven and closer to one and two and like didn't really hit the mark. I think specifically the recent remake of two that was like lauded, you know, you love that game Um, that I think put a certain expectation in a lot of people's heads about what kind of game eight was going to be. Um, and eight is very much a departure from that in a big way. Yes. Uh, so I, I could understand not liking eight as much in the face of like loving seven and loving the two remake, which seem like almost siblings in a way. Yeah. Um, in some ways. Yeah. Eight is exactly what I wanted. I mean, it yes. it is essentially like they could not if they we all know it's coming but if they just said like we're not remaking four i would be fine with that we all know that four is going to be remade and probably is coming soon and will probably be very similar to what resident evil 8 is but if they were just like resident evil 8 is our shadow reboot of resident evil 4 i would be more than happy i played through this game the exact same way i played the resident evil 4 which was gobbling it up in literally one bite like i just could not put it down once i started i do think and I, I messaged you this before you started, but I do think it does suffer from like first hour issues. I, it's very railroaded, very tutorially in a way that is like not fun or interesting, I think, um, until you get into the vampire castle, which is the thing everybody wanted. The, the game is like kind of less than as soon as you hit the vampire castle and you see Lady Dimitrescu and, you know, her, her daughters and you experience that whole thing. It is brilliant. And from that point on, it just like continues to build upon itself until, as with all Resident Evil games, the last like two hours are just like shambles, <laughs> like just just a mess, but also kind of a mess in the way that you want Resident Evil games to be, mm. to be clear. You know, like the the last location that you go to, I'm, I won't spoil anything, but the last location you go to, like just really overstays its welcome. Like it feels like three times as long as every other bit and like is the least interesting place that you've been also. So you know, big question marks as to why they like overinvested in that area that is not very exciting. Um, and then leads up to, you know, the end game, which is absolutely fucking nonsense. Uh, but also, again, you kind of want that in a Resident Evil game. Because yeah. half of these things are camp. Yes, 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 yes. I do. I do think where this game both succeeds and fails in the most spectacular way possible is in its protagonist, Ethan Winters, oh my who God. is the dumbest man in a video he game is the least equipped for the spotlight protagonist I have ever encountered. Like, yes. he So in seven, I think he was like my one issue with seven where like, he's not distractingly bad, but that character shouldn't have even had a voice. Like, I feel like that game is <laughs> yeah. for, for context for me with seven. It's almost the opposite where the first hour of seven is like peak horror game. Like it yeah. really it's is. Incredible so scary it's so immediately immersive it's not only pulling from resident evil but it's pulling from like a lot of classic horror like and specifically a lot of like haunted house horror so like texas chainsaw massacre evil dead is a big influence like i love the like you know they teach you how to guard when you hear a chainsaw revving up like Mm -hmm. i think where that I still think that game, I like that game a lot. I like that game quite a bit. I think it does lose something when you start getting more weapons and when it starts like being about Resident Evil lore. Like, I don't need that at all. Yeah. I really, yeah. I think the best thing about Seven was how isolated it was from the rest of the series. Like, Umbrella Corp, Wesker knows all stuff. Like, Wesker is the hammiest villain of all time and I love whatever he does. But yeah. I don't need like uh, I don't need Chris. I don't need any but maybe I need Barry, but I don't need anyone else <laughs> in my life anymore. But Ethan, like just the way he, the way the character was portrayed, like not even like the voice acting is fine, but like he would say stuff that would diffuse the moment often in seven. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I agree. In eight, yeah, he is he is a complete idiot, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> and I don't know if it's by design or not, but it makes me laugh every time. There's a moment on the stream where like something really sad happens. A house is on fire and he's like by the open window and he goes like, God damn it. Why does everyone I know keep dying? Oh, it's so frustrating. Everyone I meet dies and it pisses me off because everyone I meet just dies and it sucks. And my baby's in the castle. Like he he would not stop talking. I'm like, get the fuck out of the house. It's on fire. Just go. What is this? Yeah. And, the, and the monologue completely ruined any emotions I might have had because it was just so stupid. Yes. My thought on that real quick, that bit, because <laughs> it's also followed or preceded by him saying something along the lines of, why does this keep happening to me? Yeah. Which is just like him being like, why am I in a... Si-? I almost expect him to be like, this is like some kind of Resident Evil, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, it almost felt like it was going to just complete, like, show all of its cards. Yeah. My thing with Ethan, especially in the early hours of this game specifically, is, like, he is saying the things that you would say in that situation. Like, he... He is True. saying of anyone in any Resident Evil game, he is the only person reacting a way that a normal person would. I guess so. Yeah. Versus like a Leon Kennedy who's trying to do fucking James Bond quips every time he like kills <laughs> oh, a zombie lo- or something. I love Leon. You know what I mean? No, thanks, bro. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like no oh, normal person so does that when faced with zombie outbreak. <laughs> uh Ethan being like like taking a couple beats to be like this sucks actually is a little bit endearing but also is the hammiest shit and it happens at the worst times. And I think yes, that's the thing yes, that you and yes. I are really drilling down on here is like <laughs> his outbursts are always the most poorly timed shit. It's like when you're like fighting a vampire sister that he'll start just like yelling about shit. It's unbelievable. That said, there's a turn I would say two to three hours in when he starts to do the Leon Kennedy, James Bond quips. And every single time in the beginning, when it started happening, I was like, Ethan Winters is the person maybe least able to deliver a line like bite this when he kills a vampire. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) that, uh, that objectively sucks. Like that dude should not have any confidence at all. They, they kind of, in the narrative very early on this is not a spoiler this is like like first 10 minutes they they imply not even imply they just say outright that ethan has undergone military training as part of their uh relocation to this new area in europe uh where he and mia and uh, and their daughter rose are like hanging out before the inciting event happens yeah with, i don't want to spoil chris r we, yeah. we said uh, in the stream that chris redfield is chris r from the room chris anyway, r. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey chris r hey ethan Anyway, so he's undergone military training. So I guess maybe that's your justification for it. But like he gets so overconfident in a way that is like undeserved. He's supposed to be the the like I, I assumed the, you know, player injection. Like it's supposed to be you. You're you're supposed to understand his plight because it's he's a normal dude and it sucks. But also he's fucking impenetrable like the thing like he very early on gets some like fingers ripped off you know and is like pours a jug of like first aid juice <laughs> on it and is fine you know like I love he that so slowly much. becomes less and less understandable i think to the player it's like who the fuck am i inhabiting who is this guy 
makes no sense. There is a point. There's that disconnect, right? Because Ethan, for all his faults in Seven, is the player character. You know, like he's your vessel for that world. There's a point, I think, when he does that monologue in the burning building. It's like that scene in Scream where uh, they're all yelling at the. They're watching a horror movie. They're like, "He's right behind you!" Like, jump, go! Like, like you start doing that to Ethan, but you're also playing as him. It's like, I don't. If that was by design, it's brilliant. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. It's a compelling experience regardless because like yelling at the player character as if they're like the first one to die in a horror movie is is incredible. It's an incredible experience. Yeah, it that honestly is, I think, part of the brilliance of this game. I think that's like one of the reasons this game really stuck with me so much is is just the experience of of hating Ethan so much that you love him. (laughs) You and you root for the villains, like um, as soon as there, <laughs> so there's a there's a scene yeah. in very similar. So like you know one of the big moments, the eye of the duck scene in uh, Resident Evil Seven, mm-hmm. is when you wake up at the Baker family and they're all eating like disgusting stuff. Yeah, and it's, maggoty again, slop. Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, you know, and it also like really ground like that whole game is like various members of the family, like stalking you. Yeah. So to have the inciting event, like you meet all of them in a powerless situation at a very familiar setting. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Um, There's a similar thing where you meet, (laughs) you meet a guy from bloodborne who has a big hammer, which like is not scary. Like something about a hammer is inherently not scary. Like it's so it's, it's threatening, but you meet a guy with like, he looks kind of like the dude if the dude was in a horror movie. Like, oh, you're, talk, you're talking about Heisenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He shows up. He's got a big hammer and gravity powers. And he like he's no, 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 no. It's not gravity powers. That dude is Magneto. He is. Oh, shit. It's oh, metal. He can control metal with his mind. He <laughs> literally just is Magneto. <laughs> okay. So Magneto captures you and then you wake up in a similar like you wake up hands bound at a meeting with all the lords of the castle. And it is such a fun scene. Like they are all so goofy. And it's worth noting, at least from the first hour and a half. So correct me if I'm wrong. This game is not scary at all. And I think that it's actually more inviting in a way that like this game is scary in a way that like you're at like an area of a woodsy state that would probably have the Renaissance fair there. But at Halloween, it's like the Halloween place you go. Yeah. And there's like people dressed up as vampires going like, Ooh, when you walk by, like that's like, it's tense and it's, it's exciting, but it, it feels like a Disney ride. There's even a point where you like go down a slide and everyone's like, Ooh, through the wall. Mm-hmm. Like it does not like, whereas set. And that's, I think actually what you cited before about like sort of the divisive opinions. Like this game did very well critically, but there is a section of the fan base that may was like disappointed by the lack of true horror i like both like i i like the seven first hour just objectively terrifying and i like the pure camp here as well so i think there's a place for both and this is also like if seven was too much for you like that when i streamed seven there were like a few people in the chat like i can't do this like have fun with the stream but this is too much for me eight is much more welcoming i think and sort of the fun of it but maybe i'm wrong steven <laughs> I, w- I wanted you to go. I, w- I didn't want to stop you. I wanted you yeah, to go sure. through all that because that is how I felt for a big chunk of the game. Yes. So as as you mentioned, you meet the four lords, you know, and the person who oversees them. So there's, you know, five the five big bosses of the game, quote unquote, I guess. Like Tales of Arise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is Tales of Arise. They're the same game. Yeah. Uh, 
you meet the you meet the five lords. The first one is uh, Lady Dimitrescu and her and her uh, her daughters in the big castle. The thing that you've seen in all the marketing material, just like absolutely incredible. But that's that's your first stop along the course of the journey. I will say that the beginning through that castle is maybe. I would I would go as far as saying maybe half of the game. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe a third, like somewhere in that vicinity. <laughs> the second Lord Stephen is horrifying. Like actually, the like, dolls. It's the dolls. It's, there's a yeah. lady who can control dolls with her mind, and it is Resident Evil Seven. It is like the first hour of Resident Evil Seven. It is more than that. Honestly, somehow it is more PT than that is. I, I don't want to say too much, but like you show up in that house, they take all your weapons away and you just have to survive there, like making your way through the like really fucked up halls of this like dollhouse. And it is at least of the stuff I've played, which is not as much Resident Evil as like the franchise has, but is the scariest thing I've played in any of those games. Like uh, easily. It is I'm so also scared good. of dolls. And as a kid, I was specifically scared of dead brides, which sounds very specific, but they show up everywhere. So this is going to be my personal hell. I dead think. bride doll. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is the Lord is a dead bride doll. Um, uh, okay. So I'll say, I'll say this to quell your fears a little bit, but my partner, Persia watched most of the game with me also really afraid of haunted dolls and sat along with me for that bit and like made it through and like didn't have to good. leave. But there okay, were, good. there were a few moments where like I had to pause the game before I walked through a door. Just like, I know there's going to be some shit on the other side of this. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I really need to take a beat. Like I ha- I'm going to have to like stand up and like get some water and like think about this for a second before I sit down and unpause the video game. It really is horrifying. And then after that is just Resident Evil four, like just straight up. I, I won't say more than that, but like, there are some actual like beats from Resident Evil 4 that it seems like they just kind of remade for this, which I could see some people being like, you know, very much, you know, copy paste, maybe upset about that. I loved it as a huge fan of 4. I really appreciated it. And the game obviously goes off the wall the, the further in you play. That said, as I mentioned, my first playthrough doing most stuff like I, I really took my time, like exploring the area, getting as many of the like secrets as I could, like making my way around the castle and looking up at all the ceilings. So I could shoot down the crystal fragments so I could sell them for shit. Like I really like took my time with the playthrough, even though I essentially binged it in like two or three days. But that said, I, I will play this game again. And I imagine it will be much faster the second time, because as with Resident Evil 4, they have a new game plus thing where you can bring all your weapons and upgrades over um, yeah. as you continue to play the game. You are unlocking achievements, which give you this like achievement currency, essentially. So you get like a currency for all the achievements that you do. Yeah. Some of them are like, you know, light a light a vampire on fire and you get an achievement for that. Things like that. And you get points for that and you can spend those points on upgrades that you can then bring into your next playthrough over and over and over again. So as you continue to make your way down that achievement list, you get like stronger weapons or infinite ammo, things like that, um, which then could hypothetically make it easier to work your way up the difficulty chain as well. Well, so I started this game on the easiest difficulty. I will now move my way up to normal and then hard. And then I think there's one past hard that unlocks later. And that is my plan. Like that is I'm going to do that. There's also like a mercenaries mode too, right? There like is. From four. Yes. Oh, which so you cool. unlock again with those achievement points. So when you're done with the game for the first time and you get all those achievement points for beating the game, the first thing that's there is is that new mode. And it costs like nothing. Like it's it's worth getting. I haven't played it yet. I'm excited to check it out because I really loved the mercenaries mode in, in four as well. Yeah. And this goes without saying, but I think it's worth pointing out that this game like you get ammo 
way more frequently than seven. Like, and just enough, at least in the beginning that like, you're always, you always have to be resourceful, but it is very much in that for like action hybrid. So like, you know, like in seven, you get a knife like an hour or so in, and -hmm. it's like not even helpful. (laughs) You know, like it's, it's really like a placebo. Like the minute you get anything in seven, it's like whatever you're up against is even more terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I've been, I'm excited to get further. And even though I'm dreading the haunted uh, bride dolls, that's my worst nightmare. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, how'd you like the combat overall? Cause like, it's hard for me to really judge it so far because I've only had like a pistol and a shotgun. Yeah. Like, would you say like it has the same like tight design in the combat as four did, or is it more like, cause it feels a lot like seven, at least in the beginning, but I imagine that will change as the game progresses. Yeah. I, I would s- <laughs> The way I would describe the combat in relation to four specifically is, is I think they're really going after different things because um, yeah. four very much is about, you know, stopping, aiming and shooting um, and groups of enemies, like getting like a kick to hit a, like a bit. It's almost like a Musou game in that like there's like a horde of zombies yeah. you're, like running and managing. Yeah. Eight. Eight is more akin to like like a first person shooter, like a Call of Duty zombies kind of thing. I the, see. The further in you get, which I think suits this game. And I, yes. I, I want to. I'll say this and maybe I'll regret it, but I'll say it anyway. I do. I do think I like the combat in this game more than four. Like, I think mm, by the yeah. end game, like four is fun when you get all the like absolutely wild weapons and like a fucking rocket launcher and, you know, the Magnum hand cannon, whatever, and are just like one shotting things and et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's very fun to level up, I guess, and like kind of Metroid your way to uh, being a superhuman at the end. I, I think that this game has more satisfying combat in that I think that ramp is slower. Like, I think I think that that. Yeah. That bit from the beginning when you like have your pistol and like you have enough ammo and it's worth mentioning you can craft ammo. So like you're working your way around and picking up supplies that you can use to craft into new ammo, which is like just a great addition, like a really, really good move that still feels a little bit like you're, you know, kind of immersive sim scrounging around for parts. You never feel comfortable, but you feel better than you would were you just like buying ammo. Right. I, I think that they struck a really good balance there. And it's for the most part i would say like three quarters of the game like that is how i felt was like the the power ramp was exactly what i needed to deal with what they were throwing at me and never really more and i think that that was a really strong decision it's not until the last area again which is like by far the longest and and maybe most uneven bit where i both felt like i didn't have enough stuff like i didn't have enough ammo i was like really i I walked into that place thinking that i was prepared and absolutely was not and could not find enough money or ammo or crafting materials to like make it through in a way that I felt comfortable with, which is probably good for the end because it kind of avoids that like I'm a superhero bit that you would normally feel. But I also felt like my weapons, which I had really like, again, I got as much money as I could and upgraded the shit out of all that stuff, like as far as you could. I did not feel like they were powerful enough to deal with some of the stuff that I was facing, which is big camp. Uh, those those last few enemies really fun, but also they were actually scary in that I felt like I was going to die because I didn't yeah. have enough stuff. So it weirdly has the inverse problem that most Resident Evil games have. But once you get past that, it kind of like levels out again as you're kind of on the like, as you said, the, the Disney ride to the ending, you know, just like boss, 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 uh, essentially that stuff felt really good. But all that said, I, I mean, 
overall, the pacing of this game, I was like very impressed with outside of that that one final bit. I, I think, you know, the the opening hour I can kind of put up with, especially like now going into a second playthrough, knowing where all that stuff is, knowing how to get around, knowing what to expect, I think is going to be really fun. Oh, yeah. On a second playthrough and just being able to go through that castle again is going to be a great time because it's it really lives up to what you wanted. I think I I saw some complaints that like Lady Dimitrescu, who is obviously an immediately iconic character, great design. Um, The in fiction reasons why she is gigantic are also really fun. I think it's worth mentioning. Definitely worth like going around and reading the notes and stuff that people leave around uh, because you will find reasons why she is that way. And it's great. But anyway, uh, I I thought that she stuck around for the right amount of time. I, I didn't feel like I needed more. It was kind of like a like a Mario situation in a way where like I, I got just enough and then I moved on to the next world and I felt good about that. Yeah. Leave them wanting more. I mean, yeah. there's the scene where she like she just sort of like waves her arms like very subtly mm-hmm. and all her daughters go yes mother yes mother. like they like they know him mm-hmm. like she doesn't even have to say anything it's so good and that stuff is like that is fun it's not scary you yeah. know that's why i had this this whole area like it's tense i don't want to run into them they looked at my face and said man flesh and then put me hooks in me so like yeah i'm scared yeah but you know it's inviting in in its silliness in some ways and there's also other like it has the same uh other connections to four has the same like Tetris inventory menu, which I love. It's really um, good. And there's a merchant who even says like, what are you buying? <laughs> a friend used to say that. Like, all right. Yeah. They're friends. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The merchant's great. I love it. The His Duke. Is the Duke. Yeah. He's awesome. He's wonderful. The The menus too are beautiful. Like the maps and everything. Mm. The, the game opens with like a Coraline-esque like cutscene of fairy tales and it's a book that mia is reading to their daughter rose i wonder if it's a reference to rosemary's baby or not like the horror movie it's a good question i didn't think about that anyway yeah i just it's a great it's a great time i'm excited to keep going i'm excited to see where i land on it as i play through more of it but i'm already really enjoying it i think it definitely is good that they weren't just trying to repeat the success of seven and as much as it's also like a shout out a clear shout out to four it does feel like let's take the base of seven and inject it with like a sort of best of the series. I was like I'm, I'm getting, literally just I'm getting more that. than just four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Each, each of the areas I would say, I think go after a different resident evil game. Um, yeah. So I don't know what the village itself kind of goes after. Maybe that is closer to the opening of four in a way, but to me the like castle Dimitrescu like really feels like a resident evil two kind of experience where it's like you have like the big, bad evil thing that is kind of wandering around. I, I don't know if you're there yet, but like eventually you get to the point where like the uh, daughters and Lady Dimitrescu are like just kind of like wandering around the castle looking for you. Oh. And that to me is actually when the game gets like goes beyond tense and becomes scary because like, yeah, they can obviously fuck you up like pretty immediately because they're vampires. And uh, I I, th- I think that that to me feels the most like the kind of roaming big bad, almost like Silent Hill pyramid head fear. And then the the following segments, like I mentioned, the next one after that is like very much like a PT, like Resident Evil 7 kind of thing. And then so on and so forth. Which yeah. I and Heisenberg wanna... feels right out of four, like truly. Yeah. He gets I won't say anything else. I'm excited for him. But yeah, it's it's a great time. I mean, you may have already played it and you may have already, you know, beat it several times. But um, I think it's interesting that we're coming at this game from very different experiences as Resident Evil fans. And yeah. it's working for both of us. So I think that, that's a testament to how good the game is. I totally um, agree. Yeah. At its intention and execution. My thought 
my plan potentially. So I, I do want to play through this game again. I'm thinking about either recording or streaming that experience of like, like the new game plus experience of resident evil. Like, okay, let me unlock everything now. Um, yeah. cause I think I do, I think I do want to do that and it'll be much nicer to play that game a second time. Now knowing where all the, the scares are, you know, scary. We, yeah, exactly. You're speed running it. Like, I know, I know where all the haunted dolls are. Whatever. Yeah. I find the way I play these games is very much like there's one of two modes for me. One of them is I am so cautious. I like sit outside a door for a second before I push it open because I'm just like, what the fuck is behind this door? What the fuck is behind this door? Or completely check out like, yeah, sure. Throw whatever you want at me. I'm just going to hold forward on the left analog stick and just walk and like, whatever. I don't care. I don't care what's going to jump out and scare me and just like deal with it. And uh, I love I love oscillating between those two. And I think this game is very good for that. I I, I loved Resident Evil Village. I, I can't I can't speak highly enough of it. I think it's a great time. You should stream it for sure, because I, I don't know if I'm going to stream it again, because I my goal is like every week this month to stream a different horror game. So it's more of like a let's spend an hour or two together with these rather yeah. than the full playthrough. So you should totally do that. Yeah. Do you want to announce anything else on the spooky season horizon before we wrap up? Sure. I have a bunch of stuff I'm thinking about playing that I'm yeah, excited about a, a little bit uh, left field, but something I really wanted to check out. Uh, Thumper just came out for iOS on Apple Arcade. They made like a Thumper Plus which uh, has been described as a rhythm violence game. Uh, it's oh. essentially like a horror version of a rhythm game that I'm very excited to play. It's very tense, very scary. Uh, I've always wanted to like really dive into it and play it, but just haven't given it the time. So definitely going to play that. Costume Quest 2 is a game I've wanted to play for a very long time. Uh, Costume Quest was a really wonderful game, I think for the PlayStation 3, if I am remembering correctly. And uh, its sequel is on Xbox and Game Pass. Um, and it is like the most Halloween shit possible. I mean, it's about like being kids running around in costumes that give you superpowers and trying to get candy from people's houses. So oh, that rules. Uh, great 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 game uh and i've heard the costume quest 2 is really good so those are kind of the two big ones that i'm planning on checking out soon there are a bunch of other ones but uh i imagine that might be my next week we'll see yeah i know for me dead space for sure i don't know if that'll be next week or later that was also when we were considering potentially for a bonus but we just mentioned it felt the most exciting for us so we went with that totally i'm gonna play the first dead space it's on ea play it's where i'll be playing it so it's on game pass if you have game pass and there's also, I think, a remaster or remake coming out soon. So yeah, they announced that. I don't, I don't think there's a date on it yet. So it's going to be a while. But I, I think I, I like the idea of you and I playing through the original. Me too. Before that comes out, and you know, getting to compare and contrast the two. But yeah. I, I am definitely excited to play that game. Uh, I downloaded yeah, it as I've, well. I've heard only glowing things. I've heard this that the second one is also good, but it seems like the first one is the one to play. Yeah, three kind of falls into that realm of Mass Effect three. Uh, where like EA just like really wanted to monetize the shit out of everything they made um, yeah. and kind of like dunked on the franchise. But a lot of people really like the world building that happens in three. And from what I understand, this remake of one is going to incorporate some of that stuff back into it to kind of like make the whole story uh, cool. structure make sense. Um, so they're not like retconning stuff uh, in the third one to just like pretend. It's interesting too, because yeah. what I know is that the protagonist is silent in the first game, but then starts to talk in the later ones. Oh, really? I didn't know that. It's kind of like an Ethan Winters turn. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm also going to play Doki Doki Literature Club. Very yeah. excited, kind of nervous to play that one. Me too. Yeah. I was going to stream it, but I decided not to just because I feel like there's some stuff in there that like 
you know, could be like triggering. I don't want to like cross that line. I've for, heard, I've know. heard it's pretty rough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I also don't know anything about that game, but downloaded the switch re-release. So I'm excited to play that too. Yeah. But it, it's a widely beloved horror game. Very excited for that. I have it on switch and what else is there? I've gotten a few recommendations too. Like it's still up in the air. Oh, there's the Castlevania collection. I might give mm-hmm. that a shot too. We talked about Ari of Sorrow a little bit in our Game Boy Advance episode, but I want to, I have the sequel for the DS, like I have a physical copy that I wanted to play last spooky season, but never got around to it. And I think that the collection is like Ari of Sorrow and then all the Game Boy Advance ones. And I think one like PlayStation one, I'm not sure what's in it, but there are plenty that I haven't played. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I've heard it's good though. I've heard that that collection yeah. like, came out really great. So me too. And Metroid Dread might also be one that kind of fits the bill. So like when that comes out, yeah, man, just in terms of October releases, Metroid Dread coming soon. I mean, that is a horror game and all yeah. the previews I've seen, um, seem to imply that, uh, back for blood comes out this month also, yeah. which like, I don't, I'm hoping that that game is good. I imagine like as long as they just made a new Left 4 Dead, like it'll probably be fine and fun. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's also I forget the I forget the name of the anthology series, but there's like a horror anthology series and there's a new entry in that called House of Ashes that looks so much like what if you turn Alien vs. Predator into a video game? Um, which, oh yeah uh, yeah yeah that was the one that was like iraq 2003 it's like yes okay maybe don't do that but i don't know if that game is like good uh I'll, I'll maybe check it out yeah the other big ones that i've been wanting to do forever are the silent hill trilogy the original one two and three yeah but they are really hard to get the remaster is like infamously bad like they change the dialogue and stuff like it's like not good and it just feels that that might be something i work towards for next spooky season you know, it feels like those are big games, like maybe even bonus worthy. So I think that might happen another time once I can get a copy of at least two. That's the big one for me. I yeah. haven't played all of three and I haven't played one. So I'd love to do one of those because they're great games. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun experience. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? There's another game um, I've been considering and uh, kind of up in the air on. But Outer Wilds has some new DLC. Yeah. Which not exactly a horror game, but not not a horror game. It's a scary you, game. If you've played yeah. Outer Wilds. Um, yeah. So I've been kind of toying with the idea of checking that out. I, I, I picked it up. I have it. And I've been uh, actually watching uh, our, our friend Tamar Hussein's uh, Let's Play of Outer Wilds because he just recently played it over the summer on his stream to kind of like catch up on the game uh, and just kind of remind myself of what that whole place is like. And I, I dove into the game to try and find the DLC because it's just incorporated into the main game and like cannot for the life of me find it. Yeah, I, I read uh, one review. I think it was Chris Plant's review for Polygon of, of the DLC where he didn't give anything away at all. He reviewed it, but like did not spoil anything about it. And specifically was like, you can spend like an hour or two trying to find it and not find it because it is like so well hidden. Uh, so I don't know if if I can find it before October is over, I would like to talk about it, uh, but we'll see. Who knows? That's a great game. I feel like I, I love so much of that game, but I've always struggled with like, it's like one of the few games that makes me motion sick. I meant to bring that up about Village. I actually felt oh, motion yeah. sick playing Village as well. There are some settings in there. You can turn off like the head bobble yeah. for when you're walking around, but that is like 
one of the only games ever, and I've talked about this recently, but like I almost never get motion sick playing a game for some reason. Something about Resident Evil Village did it for me until I changed that setting, and then it kind of yeah. evened out. I get like I get vertigo looking up. Like if I look up at the, I don't know if this is like a real thing, but it's how I feel when I look up at the sky and I can't see anything else. Mm. I get very nervous. It feel I I get like conscious that I'm on a rock in space and I yeah. start to panic. Outer Wilds is just that That's all constantly. That game is. Yes, <laughs> but it's a beautiful experience. I remember I streamed it and talking about like finding things or taking an hour to find it. I remember I was playing that game I and I crash land like my spaceship like cracked open in like the middle of the moon puzzle which is apparently the hard, like the final thing to do mm. and uh, I remember someone in the chat was like how did you just like fall here like immediately? Um, but anyway uh, de- definitely let me know how that is. I, I might muster up some courage and check it out myself. Yeah. So I mean I'm excited to see if uh, it pans out but we'll see. Yeah so a lot, a lot of stuff on, in the works and uh, I'm very happy our bonus is set that will be a nice like antidote for all the actual horror we'll, we'll be experiencing so <laughs> all right that right, well, that sounds like it for this week that's it for this week also just to re-welcome all our new listeners thank you so much for checking out our show um it means a lot to have you around I just appreciate it. Into the cast.online has the links to everything for us. It's our YouTube, our Twitch, which we've been more active with lately. Like I said earlier, I'm going to do like a horror game stream once a week. Um, I also have a maddening run of the golden deer for three houses. That's like going to be like my kind of fallback project. Like I'm always going to have that going until it's done. Cause next month, the, uh, the remakes of diamond and pearl come out which means a new Nuzlocke run for me. I'm very excited to do that again. It's been enough time that I'm ready, uh, but it's also recent enough that I still have the memories strong in my head. Anyway, so YouTube, Twitch, uh, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts if you want to support the show. There's also our Patreon. Special shout out to all our patrons. You know who you are. If backing the show at all puts you in any financial strain, please do not. But by backing the show, you allow us to do the bonuses that are available for everyone. And also we will make patron exclusive content. We recently had a post on our Patreon about the initial plan was to do patron bonuses monthly. So like you would get the weekly episodes, you would get the bonuses for everyone. And then there would be a patron bonus as well. That was just for patrons, obviously. That was after doing that for a few months, we kind of realized it was a little bit unsustainable for our current schedule. If things free up, if things like change and we have way more time to work on the show, we could potentially go back to that. But for the time being, our plan is just to make patron content whenever inspiration strikes. We don't want it to be a forced thing. We wouldn't feel good about like just going through the motions. So we want that to be a place where we can do things that are a little bit more off track for the show, like try out ideas, be a little bit more experimental. So like when we post patron only content, it will be from a genuine place of creative intrigue and not just, well, it's a new month. I I think that would be better, but as always, share your feedback with that. It's an ongoing project. We're always changing things around. Um, yeah, I got nothing else to add outside of just thanks so much to everybody who's listening. Uh, it's been really, really, really cool uh, to just see and hear from a lot of new people. Uh, it's been really exciting. Thanks, everybody who's stuck around since the beginning as well. Yes, um, thank Definitely you. join the Discord if you haven't. It's great. Play Resident Evil Village, available for Xbox and <laughs> PlayStation. And uh, we'll see you next week, I guess. See you next week. Happy Halloween. Uh, much more spooky season content to come. Yeah. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful October. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.
PWG, the worst garbage, the online.